welcome everyone to the second episode of Anabaptist Perspectives in the series, Why I Believe. Merle Burkholder is with us once again, so welcome Merle. Thank you. In the prior episode, you talked about why you believe that there is a God. So in this episode, could you discuss why you are a Christian? And specifically, what is different about being a Christian than just believing in some theology, having some mere theism? Yeah, for me, my crisis of faith, if you want to call it that, or sort of an evaluation of my faith, came when my mother, <clears throat> excuse me, when my mother was passing away. She had cancer, and during the time when she was dying, I just really had questions about, like, is what I've been taught and believe really true? Like, this is my mom, and she's going to die, and in a few weeks, she's going to be somewhere else, and where is that, and how do I know that? what the Christian faith teaches is really true. And we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but for salvation and expect to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord Jesus. But is that really true? Like, how, how do I know that that's true? And this is my mom. I, I want to, I, if it's not true, I want to know. And so I really went on a journey of looking for answers and confirmations is what I believe really true. And, and what settled it for me at, um, almost 40 years of age was the resurrection of Christ and did that really happen? William Lane Craig has some excellent work on the resurrection and his work on the resurrection just really got me at a, um, a heart level to really believe yeah I'm convinced the resurrection happened as an actual historical fact and if that happened then Jesus really was who he said he was. And the, the central question, like Jesus was either a, a pathological liar or he was insane or he really was the son of God as he said he was. The Jews didn't kill him because he, they didn't like him or because they, they felt threatened. They killed him because they said he blasphemed. He said he's a man and he says he's God. And so that was clear to them that he claimed Mm -hmm. to be God and that was that was the thing for them so was he or wasn't he and and if there are a lot of people who've made a lot of claims about their powers and who they are but they all died and when they died it was finished and that was it so if Jesus really rose from the dead then his identity was confirmed by God himself who there had to be a power outside of himself that raised his body from from the dead. And the things that convinced me that the resurrection actually happened are, first of all, the death of Christ. Like, he really did die. It, like, there were theories that are not as prevalent now as they were in the past, but there were theories that, no, he just went unconscious, and the, they put him in the tomb, and they thought he was dead, but a couple days later, he actually he had just passed out, and he actually was still alive, and so he came out of the tomb, and, and he was still alive. The problem with that theory is that he was executed by the state. So this was a state execution. There were people that, they were professional executioners and they knew when their job was finished, they knew when people were dead. So it's absurd to say that he never died if, because it would be like saying, well, the Oklahoma City bomber, uh, Timothy McVeigh, yeah, they executed him, but he didn't really die. He survived that somehow and, and they thought he was dead, but actually he's living in Panama and he's, he's alive. And, We'd say that's absurd. No, they. I mean, he, mm -hmm. they know what they're doing, and and when they execute him, he's dead. And and these Roman, 
soldiers, they were the executioners, they were the state executioners. And when Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate, asked for the body of Christ, Pilate was like, wow, is he dead already? And so the centurion came and certified that, yes, he's dead. I, and, and when the centurion certified his death, he really did die. It, it wasn't a fake death. He didn't just pass out. Secondly, you have the early record of the resurrection. Um, the Gospels were written within 10 years of the resurrection of Christ. Um, you have Peter, James, Paul. They were all had been uh, martyred by, executed by 61 or 65, 61 to 65 AD. The resurrection probably happened 30 to 33 AD. The book of Acts gives the record of the early church, but it doesn't record the death of Peter um, or Paul. And so obviously Acts was written before they were executed. So it was written before 65 AD, which would be 30 years after. And the book of Acts is the second part of Luke's writings, which the book of Luke was before, written before that, and the book of Mark precedes the book of Luke. So Mark was probably written 10 to 15 years at least after the resurrection. It was too early for there to be legend, for it to be legends. Sure. So, because to have a legend, you have to have enough of time pass that there's no eyewitnesses. So right now, it would be too soon to have a legend about 9-11. And a hundred years from now, you might be able to say, those airplanes didn't really hit the buildings. Like that was all fake videography and the government all staged the whole thing. And a hundred years from now, you might be able to say that. But now you can't because there are too many people who were on the streets of New York and actually saw the planes flying yeah. into the buildings that if you put that out there as a... A proposition now, there'd be people who would say, no, I was there, I saw it, that's a lie. And the same thing is true with the Gospel writings. There were a lot of people who were still alive, and I'm sure that in Jerusalem, the talk of Jesus and his crucifixion, and then when the story of the resurrection came out, people knew where the tomb was, and mm -hmm. I'm sure there were people who kind of went by, let's go see this, and, mm -hmm. and take their children and go over there, and look, yeah, there it is, and it is empty. And the Jews were Jesus' main opposition, they had the most to lose if a resurrection actually happened, and they never denied the empty tomb. They could have squashed the whole thing just by saying, well, no, the tomb isn't empty, and right there it is. And the best thing they could come up with was, well, the disciples stole the body. Yeah, and, they had to have a cover-up. Yeah, so so the tomb actually was empty. The records were too, written too early. And when you read the records of the resurrection in the gospel, you just really get the sense that these writers are just, they're just kind of saying what happened. They're not trying to create a story that's going to sell or that's going to start a new religion. They're, they're just saying these are the things that happened. Uh, so you don't have the language of legends. The Gospels aren't that way. They're just, we went, the women went there and, and the tomb was empty. And the other thing is that um, in some of that, this is what happened. It actually deterred from people believing the account of what happened because if the disciples were faking the resurrection and if they were creating a story, I think they probably would have had themselves be the heroes of the story. So probably Peter and John mm -hmm. would have gone to the tomb and discovered the empty tomb. But the fact that the women were the ones who discovered, it was, a, it was disgraceful to them. It was, it, yes. and women were not, they weren't considered to be believable. So it actually discredits their account to have it 
first be told by women because women's testimony wasn't valid in a in a Jewish court of of uh, of law. So you really feel like they they put that in because it was true. It wasn't because it, it what helped what helped them with their with their story. And then you have the the post resurrection appearances of Christ and the people he appeared to and people who knew him and met him and he talked with them, he ate with them and 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 it wasn't like sometimes when somebody passes away and then you're you're walking through Walmart and you see somebody, oh, and just at first glance you think, oh, that looks like my relative that just passed away. But these weren't that kind of encounters. It wasn't just sort of a passing, yeah, I think I saw him on the street in Jerusalem. Like he was there, present with them, and they got to touch him. And There was no question who it was. Right. The Gospels and Paul and in, in Corinthians, they give lists of names of people. Like these are the people that met him. And so people could go talk to those people. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians that he was seen by this person and this person. And he was seen by 500 people at one time. And most of them are still alive. And he was writing that so that people who kind of would question, was it really true? They could go find some of those people and talk to them and say, yeah, this is, we saw him. And, and it wasn't uh, hallucinations. It was real appearances of Christ as a living person to people who knew him. And then the faithfulness of the disciples. You have 11 men. If it was a lie, 10 of them were, were martyred for their faith. And people will do a lot of things, but when you're faced with torture or you're faced with long-term imprisonment or you're faced with death, somebody is going to say, no, that's not what really happened, and uh, it was just a story. You look at Watergate, you look at other scandals, uh, it just takes one person to crack under pressure, uh, threat of imprisonment. It takes one person to say, you know what, no, that, let me tell you what was really going on here. And then all of a sudden you have a flood of people saying, yeah, and let me tell you what I know too, because nobody wants to go to prison. But these men, all, all 11 of them, went through the rest of their lives and died saying, this is true. This is what happened. And I just think if it was a lie, somewhere along the way, somebody would have cracked and said, mm -hmm. you know what, it isn't really true. And so when you have 11 men who give their lives for something, and just the change in their lives, the transformation in their lives. So those things convince me that the resurrection actually happened as a historical fact. I'm convinced that the basic essential elements of the gospel of Jesus Christ are true, and that the Christian faith is based on reality and something that is really true. So there's a lot of things about Christianity that I can't explain. There's a lot of things in the Bible that I don't understand, but I'm willing to live with a lot of confusion because I'm convinced that the essential elements of the Christian faith are true. And, and so that is what makes it different then. Your question about how does it compare with other religions is that it's not based on legends or stories, mythology, these things really actually happen. So is that the primary distinction you would see from other, particularly other monotheistic religions? Uh, could you maybe discuss some of the, the weight that's given to Christianity in your studies and your experience? Yeah, I would say in, in comparison to other monotheistic religions, of course the Jewish faith is still looking for the Messiah and still looking for that Redeemer who's mm -hmm. going to come and fulfill the prophecies and, and um, and so that they still have that component to their faith where they're still looking for that sure. Messiah to come. Uh, Islam um, has, you know, the role of 
Muhammad as the prophet and, and Jesus as a, a prophet or teacher. Um, but no other monotheistic religion has an actual atoning sacrifice for sin and someone who has broken the power of sin and death and who gives us that opportunity to experience uh, forgiveness from sins. And so then you either have to base your eternal hope on morality and good deeds or there has to be some, some other way of saying it's all going to work out. Well, that brings us to the end of the second part of a four-part series on Why I Believe. So thank you, Merle, for joining us for that. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. For more information, you can go to our website at anabaptistperspectives.org, where we have a blog. And this material is also available in video form on YouTube and Facebook, both under the name Anabaptist Perspectives. This podcast is also available on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Anchor. We would love to hear your feedback, so if you have any thoughts on something that was shared on this show, please let us know. Again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Anabaptist Perspectives. Your listening and sharing this with friends helps more people find our episodes. A special thanks to all of you who support Anabaptist Perspectives financially. We are here because of you. If you haven't had the chance to give yet this year, would you consider making a year-end donation? You can donate on our website or by check. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist Perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.